Good morning. It is warm in this church right now. Is anybody else feeling it or just me? I've lost three pounds playing that guitar this morning. Hey, it's good to see you. Clear the air real quick. Because I don't know if it was communicated well, at least by particular people, me included. I have people that are joining our church today, and if you're here, let me see. Yes, they're all here. Yeah, five of you are joining our church today as new members at the end of the service, and I will call you out. And I know I'm seeing some surprise faces, but today's the day! We're going to do it. Surprise. (laughs) Oh, Mark Davis. Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, would you turn into your, uh, to your Bibles, please, to James chapter 1. <clears throat> We're looking at verses 19 through 27. Oh, what a morning. What a morning. James chapter 1, verses 19 through 27. It says this. Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forget what he looks like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. All right, James is packing a lot of stuff in here. I'm going to go ahead and say this to you. Self-deception. Folks, deceiving ourselves. This is something that absolutely happens. Our sin is easily seen when it comes to Satan's deception. We can detect that. But the more pressing matter is that we see it in ourselves when we are the reason for the deception. I have to say that again. It's more pressing to see it in ourselves, right? Because we are the ones and we are the reason for the deception. Believe it or not, some people are being deceived about being saved. That's a scary thought. I'm saved. I'm saved. I'm saved. In Matthew 7, 23, <clears throat> Matthew 7, 23 says this, On that day, many will say to me, we got that verse? On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. People can be deceived in their state of what they think is salvation. 
We can also be deceived in our walk. This is our spiritual walk. So if we're confident in our salvation, which I believe most of us are, let's talk about our spiritual walk because there's deception there too. Revelations 3.17. Revelations 3.17 says, For you say, I am rich, I have prospered, and I need nothing, not realizing that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. You say I need nothing, but you need everything. So we can be deceived in our spiritual walk. This is all about self-deception. So, honesty. Let's be honest. This is the mark of maturity, by the way. As you grow spiritually, and as you mature, you're going to be honest with who you truly are. I love talking to some of the older members in this church. Authentic speech authentic communication where we both look at each other and go, yeah, I'm broken. I'm broken too. I'm bad. I'm bad too. I am in so much need. I have so many needs. I'm I'm flawed, right? We, We admit to that to each other. There's so much honesty and we're real with each other. We are not deceiving each other because our spiritual growth has taken us to a point where we are no longer under self deception. So it's a mark of maturity when we can look at ourselves knowing who we truly are, right? Admitting our needs. Not pretending, not pretending, not going through the motions, right? That's not going to work. You guys have heard of that, right? Going through the motions. Anybody remember Michael W. Smith from a long time ago? He had that song, going, going. It was a good song, right? Going through the motions. So there's a lot of Christians that like to go through the motions. We'll get back to that. Let's talk about spiritual reality, though. Here's our spiritual reality. If we're going to be honest, right, if we don't want to take part in self-deception. The spiritual reality is the proper relationship with God is through his word. And I know that sounds elementary, right? It's like a bullet point, duh. But the proper relationship with God is through his word. In John chapter 17, it says, his word is truth. That's not it. You guys are fine. His word is truth. And I think about that all the time. Because this world doesn't really know truth anymore. They create truth. We've talked about that, even with the progressive movement. We create truth. But there is absolute truth, and that lies right here in God's Word. Now, if we are correctly relating to God's Word, then we will be honest, then we will be non-hypocritical about who we are and about our walk, removing the deception. Do you follow that? If we are honest, right, we will be non-hypocritical as well if we use God's word to remove the deception, and we're going to learn how to do that because James tells us. In this text, he says, be quick to hear, be slow to speak, and slow to anger. We can be quick to anger, can't we? Right? Oh, and all of you better agree with this. Y'all can be quick to speak too. Yeah? My wife is going, "Uh uh-huh, pointing the finger at me, yes. But James says first, we need to be quick to hear. Everything else should be slow. Romans 10, 17. Romans 10, 17 says, so faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. This This is important. This is you and I being quick to hear, right? In our speaking, in our speech though, our speech can be corrupted it can be fueled by anger. Isn't our speech, doesn't it, isn't it representative of our, of our anger? Doesn't it come out? 
So James is saying, listen, you should be listening more than you're actually speaking. See, why are we arguing with God? Are we arguing with God, question mark? Think about that for a second. Are we arguing out loud? Are we arguing in our hearts and our minds? Are we angry at his word because it calls us out? Oh, it calls me out. His word reveals. We're going to find out it's just like a mirror. His word reveals. Second Samuel, real quick, you can get Second Samuel ready. Last week, I told you a little story about David and Bathsheba. David was walking on the roof, Bathsheba was bathing, right? There was a connection there with sin, and it was the temptation from David from inside, and he allowed it to escalate, right? And he sinned, had Uriah killed, took Bathsheba's wife. You guys remember the story. In 2 Samuel 12, verses 1 through 7, the Lord sends Nathan. I want to read this to you. And the Lord sent Nathan to David. He came to him and said to him, you know, there were two men in a certain city, the one rich and the other poor. Now the rich man had very many flocks and herds, but the poor man had nothing but one little ewe lamb, which he had bought. And he brought it up, and it grew up with him and with his children. It used to eat of his morsel and drink from his cup and lie in his arms, and it was like a daughter to him. Now there came a traveler to the rich man, and he was unwilling to take one of his own flock or herd to prepare for the guest who had come to him. But he took the poor man's lamb and prepared it for the man who had come to him. Then David's anger was greatly kindled, against the man. And he said to Nathan, as the Lord lives, the man who has done this deserves to die, and he shall restore the lamb fourfold because he did this thing and because he had no pity. And Nathan said to David, you, you're the man. See, David was angry. He wasn't quick to hear. He wasn't listening to Nathan. He was fueled by anger and corrupted speech. That's why James says we need to be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Because listen, the kind of anger, and there is righteous anger, there is righteous anger, but the kind of anger we're talking about here produces, doesn't produce the righteousness of God. What it produces is filth and wickedness. And we have all, none of us can deny if we're going to be honest with ourselves, we can all admit that we have been fueled by anger and out of that anger has come filth and wickedness. Because we live in a broken world. We live with a sin nature. And we know that that is a truth. So what James is saying here, listen, being quick to hear. Let's expound on that. This is, this is receiving God's word. He says, I need you to receive this with meekness. The implanted word. I love that word implanted. Receive with meekness the implanted word. This is meaning fixed. This is meaning secured. We've all planted seeds, right? We've all grown something. Planting a seed is fixing it in the soil. You are securing it in the soil. The human heart, the human heart has to be prepared like soil as his word is the seed. Jeremiah 31, 33 says this. Jeremiah 31, 33, for this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord, 
I will put my law within them, and I will write it on their hearts. I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Now, what is fascinating about this is James's audience. His audience is the fulfillment of this promise. The word was being written on their hearts. His word is being written on our hearts. The parable of the sower came to mind. As I studied this, I couldn't help but think about that parable of the sower. It's in Matthew 13. You don't have to turn there because I want to just talk about four different types of hearts. All right, if we're talking about the implanted word of God and a heart that is supposed to be prepared as good soil, let's talk about four different hearts that Jesus introduces us to. So here we are, seed is being sown. There's the hard heart. There's the hard heart sown along the path, right? What has been heard but not understood, and the evil one snatches it quickly, just snatches right up what was sown in the heart because that seed landed on a hard, hard heart. It was exposed. Easy pickings. That's the hard heart. Let's talk about the rocky heart. The rocky heart, this heart, <clears throat> hears the word, oh, immediately receives it. Oh, yes, that's good stuff. Immediately receives it. But because it has no roots, that rocky ground, when trouble comes, and trouble comes, when it arises, right, it falls away. It had no root. It had no root. Rocky heart. And then there's the crowded heart. The crowded heart. This heart hears the word, but is completely choking it out, suffocating it because of the cares of this world. And then there's the good soil. There's the good soil heart, the prepped heart. This heart hears and it bears fruit. That's the ultimate goal for us, to prepare our hearts. It's good soil. Here's the kicker. Every single one of us has experienced at some point in our life these four types of hearts. You can't deny it. Hard, rocky, crowded, and good. Of course, again, I say the ultimate goal is to have good over all of those. There have been times even, and I've experienced it personally, where I'm talking to somebody and they have a prepared heart, but there is still a hard place. There's good soil all over, but there's still a hard place. Why is your heart so hardened against this or so hardened against that when the whole thing's supposed to be prepared for the implanted Word of God? That's what we have to focus on as we study James here. This is the implanted Word. So, if we look at a Christian's character, if we look at a Christian's conduct, if we look at a Christian's ministry, their commitment to holiness, I'm just going to sum it up there. If we look at their commitment to holiness, aren't we seeing the evidence of fruit? Are we seeing the evidence of fruit? This is, this is hear me out now, on a good, good heart. This evidence reveals a harvest. Now, harvest equates to a changed life, a changed life. This is what is truly awesome. The seed I'm talking about, the seed I'm talking about with the fruit, when we're talking about the implanted Word of God, right, which is real fruit, that's the real fruit. The seed that it has in it, produces more seed as it produces more fruit. That produces more seed as it produces more fruit. See, the harvest continues to grow, and it continues to grow. It doesn't stop. 
that, yeah, that harvest is complete. No, the seed and the fruit, it's a cycle. Do we interrupt the cycle? Absolutely. How do we do that? Well, what kind of heart do you got? You got a rocky heart? Crowded heart? Where's your heart at? Because that's what it's going to boil down to. John 15, 5. Y'all know this verse about the vine. John 15, 5. I am the vine. You, you're the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Folks, here's the preparation of our hearts. Here it is. Receiving the implanted word of God, that's what it is. That's what we want in this harvest. Now, we've received it. I finally got through that first part. We've received it. What do we do? What do we do now? Now what? Let's see here. James says, become doers. So a doer does. A doer practices, right? So previously we looked at the word as seed. Now we're going to look at it as a mirror. Anybody here like a good mirror? Just me? You know when you're walking through Walmart or a store and you're walking by and you're like, you don't do one of those? No? Just me? Okay. I'll work on that. I'll work on that flaw. Three-way mirrors are the best, aren't they? It's easy. You don't have to hurt your head when you're doing the angles. Uh, I'll work on it. Bad pastor. Okay. So we see it as a mirror. Now, you can attend Bible studies, and I appreciate that. You can attend Bible studies, your life groups. You can come to sermons and see them live. You can watch them online. Wonderful. You can listen to podcasts. You can study and read devotionals. That's wonderful. It's a start. Okay? All of this. You here today, it's a start. But it is not part of your growth. And that may be a little shocking. This is not part of your growth. Hearing does not equate to growth. That's true. Hearing does not equate to doing. Right? Hearing does not equate to the practical use of the spiritual or the practical use of holiness. And that was the title of today's sermon. Practical holiness. How are we using it every day? Hearing does not do any of that, folks. And this is why we need to focus on what James is truly saying about the mirror. So let's say you have a leg injury. You've heard it. Oh, man, it hurts, but I don't know what's wrong. So you go to the doctor, and he comes in. What's wrong? Well, my leg, it's really hurt. Can you tell me how to fix it? What's going on? And the doctor looks at your leg and maybe he pulls out a cell phone or a camera and, and takes some pictures. And then he shows you the pictures. I don't, what do you think? All you're seeing is a picture of the outside of your leg. Doctor, that doesn't tell me anything. I need an x-ray. So he does the x-ray. Oh my goodness, yeah, you got torn ligaments and a fracture. So you've got to, you've got to go deeper than the surface. The problem with Christians today is the Bible is a picture instead of an x-ray. So you've got to allow this, right, to go deep to find the problem. Nobody wants a doctor to take a picture of their injury. They want an x-ray so you can fix it. Amen to that. Let's talk about examining. That's a fun word, examine. Examine. I don't know why I'm doing this today. Examine. Looking at our natural face. Now this is going to be fun. Intently. Looking at your natural face, walking away, you go, what did I look like? Was I bald? Did I have blonde flowing flocks? 
Or was I bald, right? We forget what we look like. Does that seem ridiculous to you? Isn't that a ridiculous concept to think that you look at yourself and you walk away and you forget what you look like? It's a crazy concept. I don't want to spiritualize this mirror too much. I really don't. But I want to, I want to take it a step further. Ladies, oh, I think this is going to come back and bite me in the rear. Ladies, when you get up in the morning, <laughs> I don't know. Okay, I'll do it. When you get up in the morning and you go, you know, you go look in the mirror, right? First thing, ah, right? It's like, what? What happened in those eight hours? My goodness, that's not me. So you're looking in the mirror, right? And, uh, oh boy. <laughs> And so you walk away after looking at that. After looking at that image, you walk away. You forgot what it looked like, and you get dressed, you eat breakfast, and you come to church. Here you are, Sunday morning. And then we get to see what you first saw. Okay, because you forgot what you looked like. Is that a little uncomfortable? Think about what we look like first thing in the morning, right? What do we do when we look in a mirror? Don't we go, oh, that needs to be fixed? That needs to be covered up? What is that? You know what I mean? We examine ourselves intently. Why? So we can fix ourselves, so we can restore ourselves, right? So you can come to church. What happens between that first, right? And then you at church. What happens? There's a transformation. Something was fixed and something was restored. And it all happened because you stared intently into this mirror. Whoo, Lord, thank you for that being over. Now, <laughs> as you examine right? As you examine, we're talking about the Word of God now. This is the mirror. As you examine, are you experiencing a transformation just like you would do to your face? Think about it. It's the same thing. It is exactly the same thing. Are you hearing the Word of God, and when you walk away from it, have a recognizable transformation just like you do when you fix yourself up in the mirror? It's the same thing. Now again, Nathan, remember the story I just told you about Nathan and David? Nathan was sent by the Lord. Nathan had to hold a mirror up for David to see that he was the man. He had to hold a mirror up for David to recognize, you're the one, you're the sinner, you're deceiving yourself. This takes us right back to what I said about self-deception. All right, and David saw. And then, you know, James tells us that we have to study, we have to look into the perfect law, right, the law of liberty. Now, let me explain something. Old Testament law was written on tablets of stone. It's external. Our Lord and Savior fulfilled the law. We know that, amen? He fulfilled the law, and we can recognize that He alone fulfilled this law, which brings you and I to liberty. Brings us to liberty, amen, to that. In the New Covenant, we experience the internal that's the implanted word, written on our hearts. And like the mirror, we have got to look intently into the Word of God for transformation. It's not, okay, whew, I read three chapters today. That was my goal, just to read three chapters. And you don't even know what you read. What'd you read? What stuck with you? What has changed? What's your transformation? We have to let the Bible become a mirror to us. Psalm 139. Verses 23 through 24 says this, Psalm 139, 23 through 24. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any grievous way in, uh, in me and lead me in the way everlasting. 
We have got to look at this word of God and allow it and God himself, the spirit, to search our hearts. Know our thoughts. Otherwise, what are you doing? You're not being honest. There's no honesty. You're deceiving yourself. So in hearing, we become doers, right? We become people of action. We're maturing in our faith. We're producing fruit. This is obedient fruit. This is obedient fruit that continues to produce more fruit and more fruit. So we hear and do. It's not that we hear and forget. And guess what about? Guess what? This is what's really neat. At the end of that, he says, and we're told that we are blessed for this doing. Now, I don't know about you, but I like to be blessed. I like to bless, and I like to be blessed. So if God's telling me through the actions of doing, acting on his planted word, I'm going to be blessed, then I want to be a doer. I want that. And I love where James goes with this. This is new to me. This is, I had a different concept when I started studying this, and it kind of punched me in the face. I really like it. If if we've received the implanted word of God and we're allowing, allowing it, right, to saturate and grow in our heart, if we are allowing this word to penetrate our lives where it's a mirror that we literally study intently to look for transformation, and then we begin to act on it, well, there's going to be evidence of that action, okay? And James goes with religion. I don't like that word. I'll explain it in a sec, but religion. You can have a false religion or true religion. I need to say this real quick. Christians that attend church regularly can have a false religion. Let me explain. We can deceive ourselves when it comes to our heart's true spiritual state. Oh my goodness, can we deceive ourselves when it comes to our heart's true spiritual state? And the tongue helps reveal the heart's corruption all the more. If this is what you're feeling and thinking, guess what? It's going to come out. We're going to know. The tongue reveals. Today, religion has a negative connotation to it. It really does. Um, the term religion does not hold up to how it used to be defined. It expresses itself like in ritual and in ceremony, um, external observances, the emphasis of routine and motions over heart. Everything I just named, right? And then there's heart. That's what it does. And again, as the tongue reveals the corrupted heart, James talks about the unbridled tongue. The unbridled tongue will reveal false religion. It will reveal false religion. A religion based on outward motion alone, or what we call going through the motions. Pastor Mark, I attend church services, and I give, and I observe the ordinance, ordinances, and I come to your crazy events, I do all that. Well, that's awesome. But you also can be the person that is not being true to who you actually are. Like me. Am I being true to how I actually am? Have I forgotten what I look like? Have you forgotten what you look like? It is easy to be deceived. Are you practicing holiness at all? These are questions we'd ask each other. right? Because if you're not practicing holy... Your tongue is going to reveal this through the deception that is taking place in your heart. Folks, you can only fake it for so long. I've talked to so many of you, and, and we've had all these conversations before about getting to know people, and that it takes time to see the true colors. 
You don't bring somebody in and just say, we're going to give you it all, right? No, you've got to get to know someone. You've got to get to understand their character, their conduct. You've got to see what they're like in the thick of it, right? We want to see true colors. Well, I'm going to tell you right now that a heart will reveal this, and it's through the tongue, the unbridled tongue. In other words, a person's true nature is exposed, and we've seen this throughout history in the church, okay? The tongue will reveal. I like this, where he's, he's going with this. So true religion, if that's false religion, what's true religion? True religion will manifest itself in practical holiness, right? Here's the thing. James, and I like this, James speaks of widows and orphans. And we look at it and go, oh, that's an ancient text. Yeah, widows and orphans back then, that's an ancient text, yeah. What he's doing here, guys, is James is saying visiting them. He's, what he's saying is, I want, you need to care for widows and orphans. If you're, the implanted word of God is truly in you, and you are acting on it, you're doing it, then it's going to be revealed in your true religion where you care for widows and you care for orphans because that were the two people groups back in those times that were the weakest, that were the most vulnerable, that were the most depressed. There was no husband to take care of a widow. She was on her own. There were no kids. They, they didn't have parents. The kids didn't have parents, so who was going to care for them? They were vulnerable. They were exposed and to care for them revealed true religion. That's what James is saying. In today's world, right, widows and orphans can represent anybody, any people group, anybody in need. And there is a lot of need in this world. But he's contrasting here false and true religion, what it actually looks like. Outward actions expose what's on the inside. Outward actions, true religion, false religion, expose what's on the outside. Excuse me, what's on the inside? I apologize. So, evidence. We sang that song today. I don't know. I didn't even coincide this. That was a God thing. So, evidence, right? Is there evidence of false religion in your life, or is there evidence of true religion? And if you're saying, well, I think there might be a problem. I think there might be false. Well, then we need to go backwards. And you know where it's going to end up, right? Right here. It's going to end up, is your heart prepared for God's Word? Are you allowing God's Word to penetrate your life as a mirror? Are you intently looking at it, fixing and restore, looking for that transformation? And he, and he says this, hey, you know what our religion needs to do? Besides God's word and the religion, to keep us unstained. To keep us unstained. A clean, unstained religion is one where our character and our conduct and our everyday living is disciplined and governed by the implanted word of God, which we receive and which we act upon as doers. That is what happens. We receive, we act. This is called practical holiness. Every church, every church across the globe, hear me out, every church across the globe has fittingly people described as hearers only. There is not a pew in any church where there are not just people that are hearers. Let's just face that fact, if we're being honest. Hearers of the word and not doers is what I'm trying to tell you. The question you have to ask yourself here today, as James is calling us all out, yours truly as well, he's calling us out. Do you provide any evidence of belonging to Jesus other than your body being present in this building? Think of that. Do you provide any evidence of belonging to Jesus other than your body being present in a church building? Because this is practical holiness. We have got to be quick to hear. As we quick to hear, right, receiving the implanted word in our prepared hearts, 
so that it continues to grow and produce more fruit, right? Using his word, once it's in there, as a mirror, intently looking into his word for transformation because there's a lot that needs to be fixed and restored. Is that transformation happening? And if it is, there has to be action. You have to do. We're called to be doers. And that is practical holiness. This is something you and I carry with us every hour of every day, wherever we're at. We carry practical holiness. Things that are ready to use right then and there. Because we have a heart that has been fed with righteous seed. Seed that is growing and growing and manifesting itself in fruit that is evidence of our actions as we care and take care of each other and live a life for God as he called us out to, revealing all the more our true religion. It's a real true religion. We are caring for our widows and our orphans. This is what we're called to do, is to be practical in our holiness, to allow the implanted Word of God to become a mirror for us to study and to be transformed by. Are you producing the evidence of that transformation, and what does it look like in your true religion? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Father God, we thank you for this day. Lord, the worship, your Word, Father, all the hearts that have come here, Father, to just hear your word and not only hear it, Lord, and here's my prayer, to become doers of this word. Father God, I pray that each and every one of us leave here wanting to study all the more intently what you have for us. Father God, your word is a mirror. It's seed. It's a mirror. It's for us to grow. It's for us to look at ourselves in honesty and say, Man, I had a lot of needs. I am a broken person, and this is where transformation starts. I need to get fixed up right now. Father, let us turn to your word. Let that be our, uh, let that be our oak, Father. Let that be our fortress. Let that be our pillar, Lord, that we turn to as we want to grow and mature spiritually, as James is calling us to do. So, Father God, today, right now, I pray for transformation, that we are quick to hear that we are slow to speak, and that we are slow to anger, and let your word do its work within our hearts. That's what we pray for today, Lord. We thank you for all you do. We thank you for your many, many blessings. And Father, please, we just continue to pray to you. And I'll say it again. Help us act upon your word. We love you and thank you for all you do. In Jesus' name, amen.